30 years old. What were you doing when you were 30 years old? What will you be doing when you're 30 years old? I want to tell you today about one 30-year-old from the Bible, from the Old Testament, the prophet Ezekiel. If you'll turn your Bibles there to, to the book of Ezekiel. At 30 years old, he was supposed to start his service as a priest. But his life took a different turn. As I was studying this, I saw a documentary on, on, on television of the Bosnian-Serb War of the 1990s. And the atrocities that, that happened to the people who were enslaved and displaced. And I, I couldn't help but think about the prophet Ezekiel and what the people went through during, during his lifetime. War is, is terrible upon people. Brother Doug Wheeler was tearing, telling us about all the, the things that are going on in, in Nigeria and Africa even today. Wars are terrible on people. And it was on the nations of, of Israel and Judah. During this time it was terrible upon them. After, after David and Solomon were, were kings, 400 years after David was king, Babylon was, was knocking down the door of Jerusalem. Ezekiel was born and grew up during the reign of Josiah. The king, and you can read about him in 2 Kings 23, King Josiah. And the Babylonian Empire, it was a seemingly unstoppable force, and, and King Josiah was killed in battle around 609 BC. And the Babylonians, they went down and then conquered the Egyptians in the, in the famous Battle of Carchemish in 605 BC. Then the 18 year old Jehoiakim king, he was the young king, 18 years old. He surrendered to Nebuchadnezzar and he was taken captive along with thousands, maybe millions of other Jews to Babylon. And one of these that we're, we're talking about is Ezekiel. Now he may have known, he was certainly a contemporary, he may have known the prophet Jeremiah, who was prophesying at this time. And Daniel is mentioned three times in, in the book of Ezekiel. So he knew Jan Daniel. He was a contemporary of both Daniel and, and Jeremiah. In captivity on the plains of Babylon at the age of 30, at a time, again, when he was supposed to be a, a priest in the temple, God called Ezekiel to be a prophet. The book of Ezekiel is one of warning. But it's also one of hope. The language like Daniel and Revelation is apocalyptic. And prophecies, uh, uh, they deal with the restoration of Israel and Jerusalem and the temple. And all that's going to happen after the captivity of the people. Ezekiel has many visions of the idolatries that God's people committed Many of the visions read like parables. The abandoned baby that was found in Ezekiel 16 is a parable of the nation's betrayal of God's love and compassion. The cooking pot vision in Ezekiel 24 shows how God was going to turn up the heat on the people and boil out all the impurities. The two harlots... In Ezekiel 23, they symbolize the spiritual adultery of, of Israel and Judah. But the vision this young man 
have that stands out to me most is found in Ezekiel 37. Ezekiel 37. It gave so much hope then, and I want to use this vision to give us hope here at Fountainhead today. In chapter 37, we read of a valley full of dry bones. The dried out bones of men. What can the valley of dry bones teach us today? That's our subject. I am a poor wayfaring stranger while traveling through this world of woe. Yet there's no sickness, toll, nor danger in that bright world to which I go. I'm going there to see my father. I'm going there no more to roam. I'm only going over Jordan. I'm only going over home. I know dark clouds will gather round me. I know my way is rough and steep, but golden fields lie out before me, where God's redeemed shall ever sleep. I'm going there to see my Yard. I'll drop the cross of self-denial and enter on my great reward. I'm going there to see my Father. I'm going of Jesus Christ, His life, 
his death, his burial, his resurrection. I love to tell it. And it's here now, before we take of our Lord's Supper, that we're going to commemorate life, death, burial of Jesus Christ. We're going to remember Him until He comes again. We've got to have that vision, folks. We've got to have that view toward heaven. And that's what we're going to sing about before our Lord's Supper. I love to tell the story of unseen things above, of Jesus and His glory, of Jesus and His love. I love to tell the story
To prepare our minds for the Lord's Supper, I'd like to read John chapter 6, verses 53 through 58. Then Jesus said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is food indeed, my blood is drink indeed. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so he who feeds on me will live. Will live. Sorry. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so he who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread which came down from heaven. Not as your fathers ate the manna and are dead, he who eats this bread will live forever. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, let's bless this bread that we are about to partake. Jesus gave his body and broke it in love for us. And let us do it in remembrance and love that we do remember him till the day he returns to gather all of his sheep back to heaven with him. Let us do it in according to your will. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Father in heaven, again we come to you 
thanking you for the blessing that you gave us, your son, who died on the cross for our sins. We pray now as we take this cup, we will look back on that cross and that we will remember what was given for us. We will do this in a manner that's pleasing in thy sight. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, apart from the Lord's Supper, we take this time to collect from the saints and give back to you a portion of what you've given us. Let's give it with a willing heart and hope that it goes out and spreads your word throughout the world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
told there were very many in the open valley, and indeed they were very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? As I read this, in my mind, I looked out over Portland, and I saw the spiritually dead, and I thought of God's question to Ezekiel, can these bones live? My only answer at the time was Ezekiel's answer, oh Lord God, you know. I don't know. Like Ezekiel, I'm, I'm just a man. But God knows. The Lord knows. He has the answer. The Lord is holy and He can raise up dry bones. Can the dry bones, the spiritually dead, that litter Portland, Tennessee, Be raised up. You know, sometimes we're like dry bones. What we need, what we need is more. What we need is more of God's goodness. Sing with me. More holiness give me, more strivings within, more patience in suffering, more sorrow for sin, more faith in my Savior, more sense of His care, more joy in His service, More purpose in prayer, more gratitude give me, more trust in the Lord, more pride in His glory, more hope in His word, more tears for His sorrows, More pain at his grief, more meekness in trial, more praise for relief, more purity give me, more strength to overcome, more freedom from earth stains, more longings for home, more fit for the kingdom, more useful I'd be, more blessed and holy, more Savior like Thee. Would the one come forward who's supposed to lead our prayer? One way that we can get closer to God is to pray to Him and ask specifically for things that we want and things that we need. We need a vision here 
to be closer to God so that we can go to heaven. We need a view to heaven. Also, we need a vision that will reach and touch everybody in Portland, Tennessee and beyond with the gospel of Jesus Christ. So I would like, Tim, if you don't mind, to pray specifically for those things, for us to grow closer to God and for us to have a mindset that will reach out in all the ways that God wants us to. Creator, Father, sustainer of life, giver, Father, of, of life and salvation, Father, and for everything that we have here upon this earth. We're so thankful, Father, for the freedom that we have and the health that you have given each one of us, Father, to assemble here, Father, in this place, in this capacity to offer our praise and worship to you this day. We're so thankful, Father, that we can sing praises to your name, that we can hear your word taught and read from your word. Come to you, Father, in prayer to make our wants and wishes known, to give, Father, as you have given unto each one of us, and to assemble around thy table, Father, to commemorate the death burial and resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and we pray Father that you might be with each one of us this day that we can praise and worship you and that our worship Father might be pleasing and acceptable in thy sight and that as this worship service comes to a conclusion Father that each one of us has been drawn closer unto you and that we can say that it has truly been good to have been here. This time, our Heavenly Father, we come thanking thee for all the blessings of this life, for our temporal blessings that we receive from you each and every day. We're most grateful, Father, for the spiritual blessings that we receive through your Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We're so thankful, Father, for Jesus, for his life for the years that he spent here upon this earth for his example father and that we're so thankful that he was obedient unto you father we know that he was obedient even unto death the death upon the cross and we're so thankful father that he was willing to shed his blood father for each one of us that we can have the remission of our sins and that we can have that hope, Father, of eternal life with you in heaven if we are obedient and faithful, Father, unto death. We're so thankful, Father, for the church, wherever it meets. We're so thankful, Father, for the church here, the Fountainhead. And we ask thy blessings, Father, upon the efforts to go forth from this place to Proclaim your name throughout this community and the efforts that we support throughout the world. We're so thankful, Father, for the leadership here, the 
men have the great responsibility of shepherding the flock here, the elders. Pray for them, Father, and pray that you might be with them and the decisions, Father, that they are faced with from time to time. And we pray, Father, that you would grant unto them wisdom and knowledge, Father, as they so desire, that they can always make decisions, Father, that are pleasing to you and that are always in accordance with your will. We're so thankful, Father, for each member here, this congregation, whatever capacity, Father, that they serve. We pray that you might be with each one and bless them, Father, in their efforts. We pray, Father, that we might always have love and concern for one another and help us, Father, to be as one that we might always love each other and that we will always have love for you. Our Heavenly Father, at this time, we're mindful of those who are sick, those who our duty is to pray for the world over. We're especially, Father, mindful of those who were mentioned in our announcements earlier, and we pray, Father, that you might be with them and grant unto them a reasonable portion of their health as being keeping with your will. We're also grateful, Father, for those who have been sick, that you have blessed them, Father, with their health, and we are truly thankful, Father, for this, and pray that you would continue to be with them and strengthen them in the days ahead. Father, we are mindful of those who are spiritually sick, those who are outside the body of Christ. We pray, Father, for those, even in our assembly this day, who have yet to name the name of Christ and put Christ on in baptism, and we pray, Father, that they may do so before it's eternally too late with them. It's time, our Heavenly Father, we come acknowledging that we are weak and that we are sinful and that we often sin and fall short of your glory, and we pray, Father, that as we repent of these sins and shortcomings, that you will forgive us and help us, Father, not to commit these same sins again, that we can <clears throat> grow stronger in thee and our faith, Father, that we might be more faithful and we might be a more pleasing people unto you as we strive to do your will. This time, our Heavenly Father, we come praying for each one of us that you might strengthen us in our <clears throat> daily lives, Father, that the things that we do and the places that we go, and that, that we might always be a good example, Father, for thee and that others who are watching us might see Christ living in us. Help us, Father, to be mission-minded, Father, in the area in which we live. Help us, Father, to reach out to those, Father, who are outside of Christ. Help us, help us, Father, to share Jesus and his great love for us. Father, that they would want to be baptized, Father, and want to become a child of yours. And help us, Father, to always realize the importance of 
doing your will and help the things, Father, of this world not to cloud our minds or make our vision unfocused, Father, that we might always keep our sights on you and your word, Father, and help us to hunger and thirst after righteousness. We pray, Father, that we might always strive to serve you, Father, each and every day of our life. And help us, Father, to serve you, Father, and be faithful unto death so that we can someday receive that crown of life after this life here upon this earth is over. We're so thankful, Father, for Brother Doug Wheeler that we have with us today, and we're thankful, Father, for the news that he has shared with us on his efforts in Nigeria, and we pray, Father, that you might be with him and others like him, Father, who are teaching and attempting, Father, to spread your word into other parts of this world. We pray, Father, that you might be with them in their efforts. We know that we that they often work in hard and difficult places, and we just pray, Father, that the obstacles that often stand before them and hinder their work might be removed, Father, that all may have the opportunity, Father, to hear your word and obey before it's eternally too late with them. We're so thankful, Father, for Brother Chad and his family as they work with us, and we pray, Father, that you might be with him this hour as he brings us a, another message, Father, from your divine will. Help us, Father, to listen attentively, Father, to the things that are being said and help us to make the application in our everyday walks of life. And we pray, Father, for Brother Chad, that he might have a ready remembrance, Father, of the things that he has prepared to speaking to us and we pray father that as he speaks that he may speak as your oracles this time our heavenly father we pray that you will continue to be with each one of us on throughout the remainder of this worship service and we pray once again father that when thou art finished with us here upon this earth that we'll have lived our life and conducted ourselves in such a way that we can spend eternity with thee in heaven. For this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Can these bones live? Can I raise up these bones? God asked Ezekiel. He ordered Ezekiel. To prophesy to the bones. To preach to the bones. How funny that must have felt for Ezekiel to stand in the middle of a valley full of dry bones and preach. Knowing that no one could listen. God ordered Ezekiel to tell them His Word. And when... You do, God says, I'll put muscle and fat and sinew and skin on these bones. And Ezekiel did, verse 7. As I prophesied, there was a noise and suddenly a rattling. And God raised up the bones and put them back together with sinew and skin. And they grew back. And now a, a valley full of bones was a valley full of bodies. 
just laying there. See, they didn't have any life in them. There was no breath in them. There was no life in them then. There was no breath in them. And, you know, when we preach to people and we tell them the truth of the gospel, many go from dry bones to lifeless meat. That's what you had there in the valley now. Lifeless meat. Verse 9, also he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may live. Christian, go into all the world, to Africa, to Asia, to Europe, to America, to Tennessee, to Portland, to Sumner County, all around, and preach the gospel to every creature. Ezekiel preached to the breath and the bodies came alive. They stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army, the Bible says. When I read this, I immediately thought of this verse from Ephesians chapter 5, verse 14. Awake, O sleeper, arise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. Wake up. Fountainhead, wake up. Arise, be dry bones no more. Snap out of it. Whatever fog you're in, whatever dryness, dry bone lifestyle you're living, snap out of it. Wake up. Arise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. What a wonderful thought to be lifeless no more. No no more will you warm the bench. You'll play on the first team. You'll start. But you've got to make up your mind here. You'll fail, but you'll succeed. And you'll be dead no more. You'll be lifeless no more. won't be a pile of dry bones. You'll be doers of the word, not just hearers only, James chapter 1, verse 22. Be doers, not dry bones. We need to be a people of the book again. Quit looking inward and, and focus outward. Yes, we need to assemble. We do. We need to be faithful to the services here at Fountainhead. But what are we going to assemble? Dry bones? We need more soil in the seats. We don't need dead flesh in the, pul- in, in, the, in the seats. We don't need it in the pulpit either. We need more soil in the seats to plant the Word of God in. We need to be about, be about sowing God's Word. And we need to sow the seed of, of God's Word to dry bones of our community. We must be about our Father's business. We must be about the work. They have the army in Nigeria. We're not talking about an army made up by the government. We're talking about the army of the Lord that goes out into the bush and into the fields and into the valleys and into the cities and tells others of God's Word using the sword of the Spirit, the sharp two-edged sword of the Spirit. We need to do like that. We need to march like that. We too are an army.
We need to get mobilized. We need to get mobilized. Sing with me. There's a royal banner given for display to the soldiers of the king. As an ensign fair we lift it up today while as ransomed ones we sing. Marching on, marching on for Christ count everything but loss for the king of kings with toil and sing neath the banner of the cross though the foe may rage and gather as the flood let the standard be displayed and beneath its folds as soldiers of the Lord for the truth be not dismayed marching on marching on for Christ count everything but loss for the king of kings toil and sing neath the banner of the cross over land and sea wherever man may dwell make the glorious tidings known of the crimson banner now the story tell while the Lord shall claim his own marching on marching on for Christ count everything but loss for the king of kings toil and sing neath the banner of the cross first john chapter 3 verse 17 but whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him how does the love of god abide in him we need to stop confusing the means with the ends Are we leading with benevolence or are we leading with the gospel when we go out and reach out to others? Are we helping, then teaching, or are we teaching, then helping? Look at our Lord's example in Mark chapter 6. Around about verse 34, the multitudes were coming to Jesus and he had compassion on them and fed them. No, it's not what he did. He had compassion on them and he began to teach them. He taught them till day was far spent. And then he fed the 5,000. We've got to change our paradigm. The most compassionate thing that we can do for people is to tell them about Jesus Christ. You want to be compassionate? You want to love somebody? Tell them about Jesus. Tell them about the gospel. We must be compassionate. 
But the most compassionate things we can do for folks is not pay their bills, not teach them about parenting, not teach them about being a better husband or being a better wife, not giving them food or clothing or even shelter. The most loving and compassionate thing we can do is tell them about Jesus. As we tell them about Jesus, their needs will be evident. And we must have a heart of compassion. The the world needs salvation. You know, people are drowning in a sea of despair. And we have this life rope that we we can save them with. We have the life rope that we can can unravel and we we can throw it out to them. We have the truth found in God's Word. We have the gospel that's that's God's power to save us, to save everyone. And we can take that rope and we can throw it out. But many of us won't do it. Many of us just, just sit on it. A lot of us don't even know where our rope is. This song embodies that. This song embodies our job and and what we're supposed to be doing. Throw out the lifeline across the dark wave. There is a brother whom someone should save. Somebody's brother, oh, who then will dare to throw out the lifeline, his peril to share. Throw out the lifeline, throw out the lifeline. Someone is drifting away. Throw out the lifeline, throw out the lifeline someone is sinking today throw out the lifeline with hand quick and strong why do you tarry why linger so long see he is sinking oh hasten today and out with the lifeboat away then away throw out the lifeline throw out the lifeline Someone is drifting away. Throw out the lifeline. Throw out the lifeline. Someone is sinking today. Throw out the lifeline to danger fraught men. Sinking in anguish where you've never been. Winds of temptation and billows of woe. will soon hurl them out where the dark waters flow. Throw out the lifeline, throw out the lifeline. Someone is drifting away. Throw out the lifeline, throw out the lifeline. Someone is sinking today. Soon will the season of rescue be o'er. Soon will they drift to eternity shore haste in my brother no time for delay but throw out the lifeline and save them today throw out the lifeline throw out the lifeline someone is drifting away Throw out the lifeline, throw out the lifeline. Someone is sinking today. It's said of the first century church by Luke, 
in Acts chapter 5, verse 42, daily in the temple and in every house, they did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. Everyone here would say, you've got to be faithful if you want to go to heaven. But you cannot be faithful without evangelism. You can't. Our example is daily, everywhere. They taught in the public. They taught from house to house. Paul said in Acts 20 verse 20 that he kept back nothing publicly and house to house. To the church in Acts chapter 8 when, when they were persecuted, they went everywhere preaching the gospel. We are commanded to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that Jesus wants. And we cannot do that if we chain Him to the pulpit. But that's what we've done. Might as well put a big chain around the pulpit and a big padlock that's what we've done, church. We've chained Jesus to the pulpit. We only want people to come. Are we ever willing to go out and reach somebody, throw the lifeline and bring them in? When was the last time you did it? Wake up, sunshine. There's work to be done. How many times did I hear that from my daddy? Sleeping in on a Saturday morning. Wake up, sunshine. There's work to be done. Fountainhead, wake up. Awake, sleeper. Arise from the dead. Christ will shine on you. We need to reach out to our community and and beyond. Out in the public and house to house. Why? Because we're commanded to. We're commanded to and, and... We want other people, we love others enough that we want them to go to heaven just like we're going to go to heaven. God, the righteous judge who can make dry bones live, will Romans chapter 2 verse 6 render to each one according to their deeds. Dry bones rise up. Preaching and prophesying to those in captivity, Ezekiel writes... What the Lord says, Ezekiel 37 verse 14, I will put my spirit in you and you shall live. That's what he told those in captivity. Peter, preaching to the first century and the 21st century, tells us today, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, for this promise is to you and to your children and to all who are afar off, as many as the Lord our God will call. The Spirit, the gift of the Spirit is life. Life eternal. The Spirit then and the children of God who obtained the gift when they obeyed, receive that life today. Have you obeyed the gospel? If you have, then rise up, old dry bones. 
Rise up. Awake, O sleeper. Arise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. If you you count yourself a Christian, rise up. Be dry bones no more. You have not obeyed the gospel. You know, you're in the same boat as those who won't work. Dry bones. Rise up. The gospel has been preached to you. You know of the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You know that to obey that you've got to die to self, be buried in baptism and be raised to walk in newness of life. You understand that. Then do it. What you've been learning about, put it into practice. Obey the commands. You become part of a mighty army. You'll be part of something not built with hands, but by God's power. Can these bones live? Oh Lord, you know. God can do it. God can raise dry bones. He can help you today. You could be li- you could be made alive today too. Don't look toward 30. Don't look back to 30. Look at your life today. Do you have a view of heaven? You know, a lot of you, I'm so glad y'all are back. Y'all went on vacation. When you went on vacation, wouldn't it have been nice to have a room with a view? Hmm. Wouldn't it have been nice? You might have had to pay a little extra for it to get a room with a view, but it would have been nice. What if the hotel would have told you for no more extra you can have a view of the mountain or you can have a view of the beach? Would you have taken it? Yeah, you would have. You would have taken that that deal. That would have been a good deal to have a room with a view. Folks, we're on this earth but just for a brief little while. That's what we're going to talk about tonight. And We need to have a view toward heaven. It's the most beautiful view we can have. And we should want everybody else to have that same view. Rise up, dry bones. Repent. Be alive today. Come right now as together we stand and sing.